Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fallout Bar here at Online Darts. I say this every time, but that that song just that's our best ever. Comfortably, comfortably as an introduction. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Like it just gets us off to a nice start, and then you have to listen to us two idiots for an hour. <laughs> I've been dancing away in the background, and I'm sat here looking stupid next to you, a little bit ill, and we discuss the action from the Alexandra Palace uh, from day number twelve. I had to double check what show number on now. Because this world championship is hurtling towards the back end now. It's scary. Day twelve. It's only seventeen days of action here at Alexandra Palace. Flown by, hasn't it? We're nearly. Where's it gone? I don't know. We're nearly there already. I don't know where it's gone. No. Well, the last thirty-two is gone as of today. As we moved in a couple of games into the last sixteen as well. That weird day today where you play two from that round. Eventually, we eke it out towards the quarterfinals. Are all played on one day and you know that starting point a very distinct uh change from uh johnny mack in that introduction he was very very sure to make sure he said fourth round action instead of third round action he was definitely ribbed in the in the press room at some point going don't you mess up johnny (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it it's a little bit tricky isn't it you've got it's obviously you can't schedule it better it just doesn't quite work but (laughs) <laughs> see some ways to just get them all all separately but how is everybody in the chat as well good to have you all in g's adventures bob's in as well tommy's in kieran all the crew are back in tonight jack's in hjv uh eaton Eaton. i don't know how you pronounce that sorry bloody nice to have you in craig's in as well excalibur nice to have you back mate rose is in as well harry's in some Moppet called Cam McFarlane. Who's that? Uh, Daniel's in oh, as well. I wouldn't listen to anything he says. <laughs> oh. Didn't press the wrong button on my brand new mouse there to go back. 
<laughs> I don't actually know what you did there. I don't know whether everyone got my face then or just I got my face. No, everybody got your face then. Oh, uh, fantastic. left the stream for a, for a short moment. As I said, hello to everybody. Craig's in as well. Uh, Nathan as well. Good to have you all there, guys, uh, as we will just get rolling with tonight's show as per camp. Uh, we start with, I don't know how this was first game on. I genuinely have no idea who on earth has scheduled Hands down, the the look, I get that Michael Van Gerwen against Mensah Sulevich was very very good last night, but this is the match of the tournament and in contention for one of the best matches that stage has ever witnessed. Ross Smith versus Dirk Van Dijvenbode had absolutely everything. It had needle, it had 180 records galore, it had terrible finishing, it had some great finishes. The first two legs, one for one five six and a one three six. I mean, you just could not take your eyes off this match. Yeah, it was it was absolutely nuts, wasn't it? I mean, the the scoring from both of them was just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we we know they're both big one eighty hitters, but but nineteen in the match from Ross Smith is just utterly ridiculous. And yeah, we saw the one five six first leg. We saw the one three six straight after it, and thought this is going to be absolutely amazing on the outer ring. And then it it wasn't. It was. It was a bit of a mess on the outer ring for for the most part, but it made it exciting, didn't it? Neither of them legs were particularly great scoring wise, either were no. they? It was sort of like, oops, we've just had to roll onto these finishes, take them out to get on the board each, and you're like, right, this is where the fun begins as well. Um, it, it was just enthralling, wasn't it? I mean, 19 180s from Ross Smith. He's had 58 darts at a double in this match and only hit 29% of them, and still you feel like he's been robbed somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, I mean, four darts to win the match, including the one in the in the deciding leg as well at, at double five. But yeah, just just didn't quite get over the line, and you kind of thought that having now won a big title, having got over the line, you kind of thought this little frailty on the outer ring might have gone, but. When it came down to it today, it didn't. Especially look, recovers from losing the first set, pretty comfortable fashion. Wins first leg, doesn't win the next one. Wins a second set, loses a third set in straight legs. You're a bit worried for Smith then. That fourth set is where it really started to click for Ross Smith, where we started to see that scoring power, that form that took him to that European Championship title. The the performance level at times was up there with the level that beat Michael Smith in that final of the two. Dirk van Dijvenberg has been involved in some absolutely epic matches this year. He's been involved in some classics. He's entertaining. He's brilliant to watch. But you just looked at it and thought, do you know what? Ross Smith just had the edge at that point. He had that mentality where he got over the line and carried on with that big performance. But I don't think he'll be thanking double 16 when he goes to bed tonight, do you? No, no. I think he's. I don't even think he'll be practicing on that practicing it next week. I think he'll just be picking something else and thinking, I'm going to throw at this from now on. I'm not not leaving myself that again. Um, it was not his friend today, like you said. And yeah, he, he looked he looked for all money the winner at, at that point when he's gone when he's gone in front and then gone within within a set of winning it and to lose in a deciding leg in the second to last set and then also then follow that up with getting beat in in his 11th leg 
to lose it, it's going to hurt a bit, that one. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even got to that point, have we? We've, we've had matches go extra legs, but not all the way to the 11th and final leg in the deciding set. This match really did have everything. Uh, we've got to have a conversation like that, Van Dijk made it, because we made it just sound like Ross Smith was blown away and... and thrown it away almost, but that was not true. Dirk played his part in an absolutely fantastic dark match. Every single time you felt like he was down and out of it, he recovered. He was solid on his own throw, which is probably what's kept in him kept him in it when Ross started to turn the screw that little bit. And in that final set, whilst he wasn't producing chances on the Ross Smith throw, he also wasn't giving up an awful lot against himself, despite the fact he did survive four match starts. Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right there. I mean, we probably talked too much about Ross there because Dirk was really good and it's a really good effort to get over the line in this game because we've, see, we've seen a lot of people crumble up on that stage and when he, when he counted and when it mattered, he got over the line. And like you say, on his own throw, if you can be that solid on your own throw every time you go up there, even if you're throwing a relatively not, I mean, not average what he's scored though, I mean, 93 and a half, it's still a very good average, but not at the top level. But if you're doing sort of 100 on your throw and your poor legs are coming on, on your opponent's throw, you're going to be very difficult to beat. Yeah, you are indeed. One final point from this match. Plenty of needle up on the stage. We saw the big reaction from Dirk in the first set. We saw a little wave send-off from Ross Smith in the second set. But actually... When all that's said and done, and I appreciate we're going to hear a clip from Dirk's interview in a minute where I think he will mention why he got right up. There was a moment just before that seventh set started where they both gave each other a bit of a fist bump and it was almost like, do you know what? We've tried everything here. We're still at it. We're just going to see who's the best man on the dartboard right now. And I really like that as well. There was a decent embrace at the end. Ross Smith was clearly good, but there was no angst there. There was no aggression. There was a big reaction to winning from Dirk, but the embrace before and after that seventh set, I think, was just brilliant from these two. They went up there, they gave it absolutely everything in a high-pressure match. The crowd got involved both ways. I thought they were fantastic throughout for this match. They've not been the best crowd in the world for the World Championship, ironically. But someone's like, oh, it's like a BDO crowd at one point. I was like, because they're so engrossed in what's going on. Nobody in that crowd at that moment wanted to be the dickhead to spoil what was going on as, as one of the best games we've seen all tournament. Every big score was was chanted and, and well-received, but in the moments where they just allowed the players to throw, I thought that was fantastic from the Ali Pali crowd as well. I'm going to credit them where they deserve it for a change. Uh, but, but that embrace at the start of that seventh set and at the end of the seventh set, I thought was really good for me too, because look, Premier League positions potentially on the line. These are two players that are definitely in contention according to people on social media and what fans want to see etc um an early meeting between these two they had exactly the same matchup in the same round last year where ross smith has missed match darts to beat dirt van dive and boda and lost from ahead again as he has done here and it was just there was just so much going on that actually i think you can excuse those moments early on as, as just releases of pressure from them but i really like that moment between them to the start well, of the that's it, and I think we see this in see this in all sports. Like you get a bit of needle in the heat of the battle, and when it's going, and and you'll go a little bit too far sometimes. You'll say something you shouldn't say, or do something you shouldn't do. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the end of it, that little bit of sportsmanship and and sort of that 
the embraces what what we all want to see and yeah, I think you were spot on with the crowd and we're saying, what the hell was this doing on first? But maybe that helped, to be honest, <laughs> in terms of this, that it was the first game on, it was quarter to one. Um, I like how you didn't out who said it sounded like a BDO crowd. Um, <laughs> we both know exactly what it was. Somewhere, weren't he? I mean, I have an out with the commentator saying how many times we were getting close to the, the record for 180s <laughs> either. But in case you weren't aware, we did break a world record for the, uh, a record for the number of 80s in this round at the PDC World Championship. Uh, we're going to have to hear from Dirk because we're already deep into the show. And I was literally about to have a conversation with you where I go, we're going to play this clip. We're going to try and rattle through the next ones. We might even have a Premier League discussion at the end of this, but it's me and you and people need to sleep. So we'll rule that out completely, but we will hear now from Dirk van Dijvenboda in his post-match press conference. Um, so at some point, I was just thinking... Yeah, I won't say what I think. No, but I just thought he was a, bit, a little bit overdoing it, and um, well, obviously he's playing in his home country, and crowd is more favouring the home player. But he was saying that um, I celebrated my match more than he did, like he won the European Championship, and then I saw him celebrating his 180s. Like, is it your first 180? I mean, if, if you if you giving me this trash talk, I was like. So what's this about then? But I didn't mind. It, it, normally, well, normally it, it gave me more strength to keep digging in, and obviously I was lucky that he missed, but I won. Don't get wound up by a man celebrating. This is one of the more uh, ironic things we're ever going to yeah. hear from a from a player's interview. Although there will be something coming up later as well, which I am going to make note of when we inevitably hear it, because I'm pretty sure that'll be the clip we have been given uh, on to the second match of the afternoon. And to be honest, I think we can pass over this one a little bit quickly, which is why I allowed that last discussion to go on for so long. Uh, Rob Cross four, Mervyn King one. Solid job done by Rob Cross, who managed to maintain his A game pretty much throughout. He dropped off a little bit for the third set or fourth set, I think it was. The fourth set to allow King back in the door. A big, big finish from, from Mervyn King to get on the board. His, his first leg came in set number three of a one three six checkout. Um, but he just left himself way too much to do, didn't he? Rob Cross is one of the favourites for this tournament, is in really good form coming into this, and a lot of people are, are tipping up a run for Rob Cross here, potentially lifting a Sibbledale for a second time. And when you're going to average mid-80s against a player averaging 103 and absolutely flying, you just left yourself way too much to do at that point, haven't you? Yeah, you have. Um I thought Rob was really, really impressive in this. Um, like you say, it was he was eight nil up in legs. I think at the point where Merv took out the one three six, which I'm sure a few people were fuming about at that point. Who like <laughs> Rob, like Rob on the match treble. <laughs> I'm sure they were not overly impressed when that one went in. But yeah, it was he was far too far behind, and I don't even think he left himself too much to do. Um, yeah, he wasn't playing at his best, but. I don't think Rob gave him much opportunity to to do anything else. To be honest, um, he was just he was just really, really good, really solid, and with good reason. People are thinking he's got a good chance of going deep in this. Yeah, I guess look, the the first two legs in that fourth set, the King was successful in twelve darts, fifteen darts, cross wins one back in fifteen, and then gets over the line in seventeen. So that, that's probably the the spark in the moment. And if if King maintains that throughout the match, that twelve dart leg was was sensational. Like. The 15s are where he missed out, though. There wasn't anywhere near enough those. Lost the range on the treble to start with and then just put himself under all sorts of pressure on the finishing as well. Yeah, that's it. The, the scoring just wasn't quite there for him. It didn't 
especially early on. And like you say, it put him too far behind because he, at that point, he was just not scoring heavily enough to be in the legs. And I'm still not sure it would have been enough, even if he played as well as he could have played today. I think, I think Rob Cross was winning this one regardless. To be fair. Yeah, appreciate this is the World Championships, but I've, I've got to ask the question now as well, given that we mentioned it in the first one. Solid implications for the Premier League in this one as well, if Rob Cross had fallen perhaps, but he's got to still be in the hunt right now, surely, even if Scott Williams is insisting on Twitter that Rob Cross will turn it down. Yeah, um, I mean, he's got to be in the hunt. I mean, he's been the four, one of the form players in the world for the last however many months now and yeah whether he would actually turn it down when it actually gets offered is different to saying it at this stage um but i don't think he will get in this year unless he goes on and, and wins this yeah but he's certainly playing well enough um i thought you were for a minute going to start talking up Mervyn king's chances of getting in there <laughs> Get my Premier League. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> uh, up to one number six at the minute is Rob Cross. If he goes one round further than Luke Humphreys at any stage, then he will move up to at least world number five. Would take some doing to catch Derwin Price at world number four. Probably lifting that Sid Waddell. Uh, let's hear then from Rob Cross and see what I'd say after his comfortable win over Mervyn King. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I like being under the radar. If I could explain myself with with all that, look, if I was a car, I would have had a smash and I'd be a write-off by now. You know, um, six years in. But look, I ain't going to go away. I'm going to keep grafting, I'm going to keep working. And I will get myself better at one point and I will win this again, 100%. That's the only thing in the head. Whether it's this year, whether it's next year, I'll come back and I'll come back stronger. I'd, I'd like more probably next time round to have a consistent year. Do you know, just play great most of the year. I know it's hard, and it is hard mentally. It's hard physically and all because obviously, yeah, with me are. <laughs> but at the same time, no, I just I, I like to perform, and I think that's where I want to be now. I want to perform. I want to win. That was not the body part he thought of first. But let's move swiftly <laughs> on to the third game of the day. And what a sensational match of darts once again, by the way, uh, between Dave Chisnell and Stephen Bunting. Now, I saw on social media earlier the list of performances that it's taken to beat Dave Chisnell at the Alexandra Palace in recent years. But Stephen Bunting has produced one of those once again. Just how, just how good was Stephen Bunting today? Incredible. I mean... Like 26 140s and 9 180s, <laughs> along with three tumblers finishes and nearly 60% on his doubles. I think it's credit to Chizzy that he got two sets off him, to be honest, because he could very easily have been beaten to almost nothing. Um, Bunting was brilliant, and it's, it's a really high quality game. I mean, Chizzy's averaged nearly 102 and got beat. And got beat pretty comfortably. He has indeed. I've just found that list of what it takes to stop Dave Chisnell. 2016, he's beaten by Peter Wright with 103.96 average. Uh, 2017, Anderson beats him with 105.9 uh, average. Multiple record-breaking 180 match. Uh, 2018, he's beaten by Vanderbilt, averaging 98. 2019, it's Anderson again, averaging 103. 
2020, Jeffrey Desvan produces the highest tournament of the highest average of the tournament, 106.09 to beat him. 2021 runs into Anderson again, uh, who averages 100 against him. 2022, COVID, uh, and 2023, Bunting, 102.24. Um, I think that's just sensational, ridiculous, and look. There are you. You can make an argument for personal reasons why Dave Chisnell's never gone on to lift a major in, in other circumstances, but the reason he's never lifted it, <laughs> a world trophy, a world championship trophy in the minute, appears to be that everybody just has a blinder against it. Yeah, he just absolutely runs into somebody every year, and like you say, these performances from him, he's, it's not like he's going up there and not performing either. I mean, what he, what he's gone and thrown today would have been most of the field probably and once again he's on the wrong end of it but yeah we all know there's there's a few reasons why he's why he's never gone on and won anything the action being being one of them but for some reason it still works for the majority and he's just just a little bit unlucky at times yeah he is unlucky but superb performance from Stephen Bunton one of the best we've seen from him in the PDC, look, big things were expected of Stephen Bunting when he made that move over the first 18 months, picks up a pro tour very, very early. We had that emotional moment between himself and Barney up on the PDC Alexandra Palace stage. That was almost a curse at one point, wasn't it? Because he just could not do anything. After after Raymond Van Barneman says, this guy's special, he's going to do amazing yeah. <laughs> things. He did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. We've seen performances like this from Bunting before. Both of these players were defending quarterfinal, semifinal money. I think it might have been semi-final money. So he's he's gone a long way to to getting some of that back. But the problem I'm seeing with Stephen Bunting is this is in the locker. This is in the locker frequently. We just don't see it. Yeah. yeah. Why we don't see it more often is has got to be got to be the question because he is capable of it, and it, it does feel a little bit like something about this stage sort of brings it out of him probably more than more than other venues do but he's yeah he's so capable and it's when it's going well it just doesn't look like missing and you just wonder what what he's holding him back the rest of the time really yeah interesting to see from Bunton let's hear then from the bullet after his victory over Dave Chisnell I'd probably say that's the best I've ever played on that stage um, just for the fact that Chizzy was throwing everything at me as well um, there were stages in that game where I felt like I could just place him in the treble 20 and then um, I'd turn around and Chizzy had three in the treble as well. As I looked one, one stage of the game, I think I had six 180s and he had 11 and I'm like, wow, I'm playing well and he's I let, he's nearly double 180s ahead of me. But like I said, me finishing was really good there and that got me through. 57% on the finishing for Stephen Bunton. If he keeps it up, he will be very, very tough to beat indeed. Uh, into the evening session, and we started off with a Luke Humphreys victory over Vincent van der Voort. And again, it wasn't plain sailing for Luke. World number five, tipped quite highly for this tournament. Uh, four European Tour titles earlier in the year. We've seen him make a run to the UK Open final in the past, former World Youth Champion but he is not having it his own way in this World Championship, and that's come from behind to defeat the Dutch Destroyer. Yeah, he did. Um, did he? No, he didn't. 
didn't they were level. One of the side and set. Yeah, he did. Um question it for a minute then. I was like, no, he didn't. But yeah, it looked like early on that he was gonna absolutely run away with this. The first two sets, Vincent was absolutely nowhere near him. And then all of a sudden, as soon as Vince started to come back at him, you just thought Luke's in a bit of bother here because he, he he dropped off at that point and then absolutely just that final set just rattled off probably the, his best set of the match, I think, probably. We look at it in terms of stats-wise and just gave Vincent no chance in that final set. I think... Yeah, I mean... Bit... I, I tweeted it, and I probably jinxed him at the time. He's, he's won the leg in he's won the same forty darts, by the way, fourteen, twelve, and fourteen once yeah. again. But once Vincent Van der Voort gets ahead of steam up and gets out in front, he is incredibly difficult to rein back in. And he started that fifth set positively, um, only to lose that one three two. And I think that was the moment that just kept looking it. If if he'd lost three straight sets at that point, I think we would have been talking about a completely different winner right yeah. here because. Once Vincent does three sets on the spin to you again, he moments away from potentially doing a 4-2 win on you, etc. He is just so difficult to catch once he gets out in front. I've seen him do it to Kyle Anderson at the World Championships a couple of years ago. Yeah. So he could just steamroll you, absolutely steamroll you. And I think that's probably, look, we're talking up Luke Humphries and we're a bit like, right, where's his A game he's battling? But that's probably a good sign for Luke is that he is able to produce these battles. The best thing about Joe Collins' game this season has been the fact he can win with his B game. However, if you are going to be world champion in a field with the quality we have remaining in this tournament right now, that A game is going to have to turn up at some point. Yeah, you're going to have to find it in big moments, like you say, in the deciding set. And to reel it off in, like say, 40 darts, he kicks off every single leg with a 180 as well. He just never let Vincent get into that final set. And that was, like I say, that was. Just it was impressive from him. I think Vincent will be kicking himself maybe a little bit. I think he he certainly didn't have his best set of the match in that final set and probably just just fell apart a little bit. There were just far too many. Even the sets he won, to be fair, he was constantly having to come back from hitting single one, treble ones, first dart. And yeah, he was he was kind of adjusting well and, and still scoring pretty well, but when it came down to it in that final set just tightened up a little bit and those adjustments just didn't come. Yeah, looking ahead for Luke Humphreys pretty quickly, we've started the season very, very brightly. Then was obviously, I think it was Leicester at the uh, Grand Prix, crashed out in the first round. Partner was pretty much due to drop. Yeah. At any, that's a terrible phrase on this show, but was, was about to give birth to their child at, at any point. Clearly, darts wasn't on his mind at that point, but the return to the top form for Luke seems to have, have been a bit more gradual than perhaps we expected. Look, it's not easy to just pick up where you left off. Clearly had a couple of weeks off and whatever, but it does seem to be a lot longer for him to get back into his A game than I think most people would have expected from him. Yeah, I th think you're probably right there. Um, we've seen, like I say, we've seen flashes of it since then, but we've not seen him sort of consistently go up there and dominate in the way he did when he was having that run of the four victories on the Euro Tour this year and when it just looked sort of unbeatable at that stage. He's not got quite back to that level, but but he is getting there and I don't think he's a million miles away from, from throwing in one of those sort of performances. He does. The rest of the field better look out. Let's hear it from Cool Hand in his post-match press conference. I'm 
I really don't. I'm not really here to talk about the Premier League, to be honest. Because I'm, you know, if I if I if I win this tournament, then the Premier League will take care of itself. So you know, like I said before, I'm not here to to win myself a place in the Premier League. I'm here to to win the tournament. So yeah, I mean, the Premier League is something I worry about when this tournament's over for myself. You know, whether I win it or I lose next round or you know whatever. Um, I mean, like I said, I've always said I want to play in it. I hope I'm in it. But you know, if I can worry about this tournament, and if you know if, if I win it, then that, the Premier League will take care of itself. For someone that's not there to talk about the Premier League, you mentioned the Premier League a lot in that. <laughs> <laughs> two, round, two rounds in a row, that is. For some reason, all year, Deleu yeah. Humphrey's talking about the Premier League. I said, stop talking about the Premier League, and now we're not talking about the Premier League when we need to be talking about the Premier League. I don't, just, just say Premier League a few more times and move on. Uh, to <laughs> a match which I think promised a bit, probably didn't deliver it. It's not a terrible match, but it was, it was quite a difficult match to follow and, and watch. We'd, we'd had the excitement of the afternoon session. We'd had the pace of the Humphreys and, and Van der Voort game and that swing in both ways. This just seemed to amble along, I think, is the way to describe it. Jose D'Souza going down 4-1 to Gerwin Price. We're still yet to see the very, very top level from Gerwin Price at this tournament. Jose D'Souza with two massive comebacks earlier in the tournament from two sets down and, and three sets down. Don't think we've ever seen anybody do that in back-to-back matches. Um, there were moments when, when Jose's pushed Gezi, but he's still got away with this one, basically, despite the fact he's 1-4-1. Yeah, I think, I think Jose, everything he does is an amble, isn't it? It's just, his brain ambles too much as well at times. Um, I did actually start marking down how many times he miscounted and not left a finish when he should have done. And I ran out of ink in my pen. I put wrote that many numbers down. I've just it was it was every single leg almost. Um some of them fine. Gezi couldn't leave a finish anyway. Okay, that doesn't I I'm not gonna crucify you for that one. Just go for what you're going for and try and get the most number of points out of that visit. But yeah, he's just got to be a little bit smarter at times. I mean, he didn't try to take out Gezi's finish at any point in this one, so that's an improvement. Um, but, but yeah, everything's just slightly slower paced. It's never quite as exciting to watch as as one that's rattling along like, like Humphreys and, and Vincent did. But I think it looks really good for Gezi this because he's nowhere near his best and he's putting people away easily. And I said this to my earlier, who's absolutely convinced that MBG walks away with this title. I said, I'd much, I, I think it's a, a much better position to be in where you've not played particularly well yet and you're winning everything easily than averaging 108 and getting embroiled in an absolute battle. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Jose has needed the the urge, the, the, I don't know, the jeopardy to get himself fired up for this tournament. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to wait until then and I'm going to start playing at that point. But you cannot do that against Gerwin Price, the one number one, the man that has won as many tournaments and, and prize money as he has, the stakes he's got. Even when Gerwin Price is there for the taking, it feels like, because uh, 94 average, 31% on the doubles, it was solid from Gerwin Price. He did enough to beat Jose tonight, but it does feel like one of those performances where the rest of the field will be looking at going, is that the chance we've just missed to get going price out of this tournament before the semi-finals or the final? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, he's not playing particularly well, but he's doing enough and comfortably doing enough. And then 
we know he's going to keep getting better. We know what he can do on on the stage, and we know what he can do anytime he almost wants to. And the more he can get through without really expending a lot of energy and without having to do too much, just for me, is more and more of a problem for everyone else in the field. Yeah, potential, well, waiting on the result of Gabriel Clemens, Alan Suit results. You said this part of the draw has opened up a little bit. James Wade exiting pretty early. We saw Danny Noppert defeated by Alan Suit despite being spectacular for the first two sets. But a, a solid performance from Gavin Price, and who, look, we know he's still got more in the tank should he need it. Uh, let's hear from the Iceman in his post match press conference. Well, I think you've probably seen not even my C game, but. Uh... It's all about winning. It doesn't matter about averages. It doesn't matter about how well you play. As long as you get a W, that's all that matters. And yeah, I always say that the quarterfinals on in tournaments, that's when I find my best stuff. So a lot to look forward to. I did see it, but on social media, like I, said, I was in um, Winter Wonderland. And then when I got home, I see, well, back to the hotel, I seen it. So yeah, I think Michael was a little bit shell-shocked and he'll probably learn a lesson from that. I probably would have done the same thing, but <laughs> there we go. No, I mean... When you think when you're on to win the match and you're leaving someone on one six one or anything anything above a one fifty, you think set it up. The likelihood of them taking it out is like a one in ten if they do fair play. So I probably would have done the same thing. Talking about that moment from the Michael Van Gogh. I again. still don't agree with it. I'm not having it. That's up there. One of the most high profile. Moments of it happening. You've you've got the Keith Della one three eight and Eric Bristow opting to to lay up as well. It doesn't happen all that often. It seems to be that the only person that ever happens against is Kim Hybrex. Yeah. Do it an awful lot. At least get punished for it an awful lot. But yeah, that is one of the more high high profile moments of that happening in recent times. Player opting to lay up. Well, I just think I just think for me, if you you've got you, you've turned down a dart for the match and. You then lose that leg, you lose the set. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Potentially could then lose the next set and all of a sudden you're in a decider and you've still not had a dart for the match when you did have a dart for the match and decided not to go for it. Yeah, Van Gogh and Taylor final to Premier League is another one as well. Uh, look, there is a video circling around of one of Gerwin Price's reactions to missing a dart at the double on social media. Um, look, from our point of view, it's probably not proper for us to comment on it. We, I don't know the exact context from the moment in the game that it was taken from. 
but it has been clipped up and, and put on social media. Uh, the reaction probably isn't appropriate, which is why Sky made the apology for it. Um, however, it's one of those that until the DRA get involved or until the PDC report it, etc., there's not really a lot else for us to say. He shouldn't be making that sort of action on TV, whether it's aimed at anybody or not. Um, but that's for them. Uh, that's for the PDC and the DRA to, to deal with. I think is is where we we stand on that. It wasn't aggressive, but it, it just wasn't wrong. It, yeah, it's, it, it was. Uh, that was my reaction as soon as I saw it. It was just, yeah, yeah you just shouldn't be doing that really. And but. It is what it is. I mean, it was just, I think it came at a moment where yeah, I think he hit a one, two, one, he'd thrown two absolutely perfect darts. And then the third one was, was not particularly good. And I don't know, it was just a, just a strange one, but like I say, we'll, we'll leave that one where it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on to uh, the final match of the evening and what a game this was as well. Uh, Johnny Clayton uh, has reached the last eight of the world championships for the very first time which seems very strange to say. It's the first time he's got past the last 16 and he had to do it by beating the new kid on the block, Josh Rock. Uh, high hopes for him throughout, who led this match multiple times as well. Uh, took a 1-0 lead and a 3-2 lead, but Johnny Clayton showed his class, his experience, and ultimately gets over the line in a seventh and final set against Rocky. Um, I'll be honest, after the first set from Josh Rock, averaging 109 and coming out looking a bit fired up, and when he takes the lead again at 3-2 after Clayton's missed darts at a double, part of me was sat there questioning whether that response was in Johnny Clayton for a second time in the match. We'd already seen it once. Part of me was a bit concerned. Does he have it for the second time to go and win back-to-back sets to get over the line against a player that is pretty much or seemingly unflappable at that point? Yeah. But... But Johnny was just just relentless. He just kept going back and so clinical. Like, look at in terms of he had sixteen less darts at a double, but he only missed fourteen, and Josh missed thirty-four. Like, it's he Josh Rock missed more darts at double than Johnny Clayton had, and that that's basically the difference in this game. Um, but Johnny's scoring actually picked up as well. Um, as we went on through the match as well, he sort of ended up firing in. Probably, sort of. What did he? Didn't quite catch him on one eighties, did he? But he no, nearly, he nearly caught. I think what was more impressive from this was a that Johnny learnt to count. There was a one hundred four checkout in there where he blocked the treble well, eighteen bed with the first. Sometimes start. he learnt to count. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, took out a fantastic one two two checkout as well. His board management was a little better, not perfect. It wasn't quite Jose de Souza territory, but there was still enough. But he seemed to grow into this game a bit more. And it's very, very easy to be shell-shocked by the kid that everybody's talking about, averaging 109 in the first set, virtually unplayable once again. We've seen the damage that Rock can do to people. And actually, in this tournament, he hasn't really produced his A-game. He's done it with mid-90s, tight battles, but he's been solid in those key moments and given himself plenty of darts at double because of his scoring power. But as that seemed to wane a little bit and as those darts kept as those darts at double kept going amiss, it it seemed to give Johnny that injection of confidence that he needed to just keep going. The 140 hitting improved, the 180 hitting got even better. And look, there was a moment where he missed darts for the fifth set, I think it was. Clayton he missed a dart at double six. Yeah. 
Jacksonville was punished by Josh Rock. And like I said, I thought at that moment that was game over. But the response from Johnny Clayton, like I said, was superb. The scoring got better. He dropped one leg in the final two sets when you're facing, you lose either of those sets throughout the tournament. Is, is some going for Johnny Clayton? Yeah, it's real, real impressive. And like I say, he was just, the scoring power was good from Johnny as well, but he was just clinical when it mattered as well. I think that, I think the biggest point of it was this could easily have been, he could have been 2 0 down and, and, and 6 0 down. Because until that seventh leg, Johnny Clayton hadn't even been in a leg and somehow managed to be throwing for that second set and threw an 11 darter. And just, I think that's where the game changed. Without that, if he doesn't nick those first couple of legs and give himself that opportunity to go and do that, it could very easily have been 4-0 to rock this. But Johnny just hung in there, did what he does. He's always consistent. I did say he would hit a 1-2-1 at some point in this game last night on the thing, because he always does. Uh, he did, I think he, he missed it when he had the one opportunity for it. But he took out a 1-2-2. He's close enough. We'll give, it, we'll give him that. And then, yeah, the absolute highlight moment, the the 104 on the ball, which is just... I don't think anyone was expecting him to go that way, but... Why I'm not? not sure if he was expecting when he first stepped up to the hockey, to be fair. Uh, the busting 22 was was for, from the 79 was what cost him, wasn't it? With the two darts at, at double 11, that got a little bit messy. That was one of the yeah. key moments of the game. But we've got to talk about Johnny's Dublin in general. He is still over 50% on the outer ring for this tournament. And you know, it feels like double 16 is not at the end of his fingertips where it usually is as well. It feels like there's room for improvement on his favourite double. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th I thought he was pretty good on it today other than missing it that one time where Rocky then took out 76 or whatever it was that he left himself, I can't remember, something like that. But I thought he was actually pretty good on it today unless I've sort of just not been concentrating, but... He seemed to see everything that maybe he went for. Maybe, um, maybe, I don't know. It could be either way. But, I mean, it seemed like early on, just everything he went for just went in. Yeah, a couple more. A couple of questions. Chat question in the chat room from Jamie says, am I the only person that finds Johnny's obsessive staring into the camera annoying? Yes, you are. Because I've just tweeted, I will love complete it. my Absolutely life. Absolutely. All I want in life is a woman that looks at me the same way that Johnny Clayton looks at that <laughs> camera. At the stage left camera. And and then I'll, I can die a happy man. 27 years old. If I find a woman that looks at me like that, job done. I, I, I'm off. I'm, I'm into the gates of heaven. All that jazz. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Josh Rock. A fantastic tournament from me. He will take lots of positives away from this. Still his first year on tour um there's obviously a lot of hype around him because of the performances he's produced world youth champion one pro tours is blowing people away uh has been up there from the very very start in terms of uh season average on tour his, his first nine average is ridiculous he's clearly got an awful lot of confidence and i want to compare it a little bit to Bo Grew's performance as well because there are plenty of people that are saying how brilliant it is and, and how they didn't follow I think there was a couple of moments, and look, they are both very, very young, and this is where they are going to be learning curves. But to completely say they haven't experienced the pressure at any moment, I think is wrong. There yeah. was a moment where Josh has missed inside on a double five, especially. And I also think at times, for, when Johnny Clayton was under pressure, 
Johnny Clayton throws his darts harder and they go in the ball better. That's yeah. his way of getting out of trouble. I think Josh Rock got a little bit loopy tonight with his action. There wasn't as much force coming through the wrist, yeah. which it relies on. And we did see quite a few darts start to drop out. There was a visit where he had a bounce out or a drop out, 5-19, scored 24, effectively yeah. let Johnny straight back into that leg. And we saw it a couple of other times as well. And I think we saw glimpses of that from Bo Greaves as well. Now, we're not expecting these guys to be absolute robots. How I played at a local competition last night, trying to learn to play sober because I could drive now and it went just as terribly. So I, I feel I can relate to it a little bit, but there were moments where there are learning curves from there, but I'm just weary of people saying perfect performance, done nothing wrong, etc., etc. There was a couple of key moments where actually that's what you're going to have to learn to deal with if you're going to be a professional at the very, very top. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely moments where, where he fell off, especially towards the back end, sort of the... Not so much in the final set. I actually thought he played okay in the final set um, and kind of found that extra little bit of force in his action and looked like he was scoring a little heavier again. But the set six, he absolutely was was really struggling. He didn't get near anything. And I think, I think you're right, like you say, Johnny just throws him a little bit firmer at that point, whereas Josh did seem to lose it a little bit, whether it was just even a little bit of fatigue he's getting at that point in the game because... It's not used to being up there and playing. It's not a criticism. It, it, it almost proves that the, the two young stars that were built up from the very, very start, Boa's the women's world champion, Josh is the world youth champion, they're human. And I, I just want to mediate people's expectations of these guys moving forward. There's a lot of talk, or there was a lot of talk before this world championships of Bo Greaves going to Q school, picking up a tour card because she's absolute favourite for it and being top 16 in the world on the PDC tour next year. I'm not sure that's the case yet. Do you know what I mean? no. I'm not saying that these guys do not have talent. and I'm not picking on these two. They're just the examples within this tournament. We've seen Keen Barry go through similar. But you think how long it took Dimitri Vandenberg to settle as a as a tour card holder. He, he was on the development tour for numerous years. And I want these guys to use that as much as possible, especially Bo in particular, before she gets a tour card. Everybody knows my views on having a tour card and, and being there. But, but that's your yeah. decision when you make that time to move across. Um, but I just want to be wary of that fact that look, nerves, I think, got to them more than people were letting on. But that proves they're human. And actually, there's more for them to learn from those moments in doing so. Yeah, definitely. And and like I say, it'll come. I mean, Bo's 18 and Josh is 21. Like Josh said, he wasn't expecting to make it to the world until he was about 30. He's he's nine years ahead of schedule. And we've just seen him go to so with Johnny Clayton replacing the fourth round. Um, he's utterly way ahead of where he should be at this stage. And to be putting in those sorts of performances with no experience of going up there and doing it really is shows how much talent he's got. But yeah, it's going to take time. He's going to take learning and it's not always going to be playing sailing. He's not always going to go up there and fire in the scoring that we know he can. Well, the PDC over the last few years has proven things take time. Rob Cross has been the exception. Mike Van Gogh was not perfect when he first came on the tour. Gary Anderson took an awful lot of time to settle away from the Alexandra Palace. Once he did, he was he was superb. Peter Wright won his first world title at 50. And Johnny Clayton is another who seems to be getting better with age. He is the man that defeated Josh Rock at this world championship. And we're going to hear from him now in his post-match press conference. Yeah, it's unknown territory, but... 
it's a good thing. It's a good place to be. So, um, yeah, the smile on my face, as you can see, and, yeah, good feeling. Fantastic. Yeah, obviously, you know, when you look over, when, you know, I can hear the children shouting, come on, Dad. That means so much. Like, you know, it's, it's fantastic to have him there. We don't take him out to school on, on tournaments. It's just on holidays. So, the London and in Blackpool... I've got the family in the car, so it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant to win in front of them tonight again, yeah. Just makes you smile, Johnny, doesn't he? I like, I like Johnny. He's a, he's a fantastic person as well as a fantastic dark player. Uh, really, really pleased with him. Hopefully, we might see him kick on just a little bit more in this tournament now. Uh, we will find out who his opponent is in the next round tomorrow in the very, very first game as Kim Hybrex takes on... Dimitri Vandenberg. Chatham, this is your chance for everybody else to get involved in the chat room as well. Try and call out as many score predictions from you guys as possible. Appreciate it has just ticked over to midnight in the UK. So that's 1 a.m. in most of Europe and America. You guys don't really count in time restrictions because I'm going to sit up and watch your sports till stupid o'clock anyway. Uh, to Kim Hybrex no, versus Yeah, we've spent enough time. It's fine. All Belgium. And also, not only that, it's like seven o'clock there. It's not exactly late. Yeah. And the Celtics are playing tonight, so I'm going to stick them on for a bit. Uh, Hybrex, Vandenberg, score prediction, please, sir. Um, heart or ahead. I want Kim Hybrex to win this, so I'm picking him to win it. He's going to win 4-3. The master defeats the apprentice, if you like. It, it's a weird dynamic between these two because they were part of the same management stable for a long, long time. They were the World Cup team. That they're, oh, they're great fun on the World Cup team yeah. together. But it's always been, well, it was Ronnie and Kim. Then it was Kim bringing Dimitri through, wasn't it? And then Dimitri suddenly jumped him in the rankings. And it's like, right, Dimmy's now the captain. And yeah. that was all a little bit strange because Kim I am the captain now. the other <laughs> way down in the, in the tournament, in the rankings. Well, I'm like, this is a weird dynamic because Kim would have been giving him all the advice to get to where he is. And now he's like, come on, Kim, you can do it. And it was always <laughs> a little bit patronising coming back the other way. Um, I'm going to say, Dimitri, though, these new darts new slash old darts, copies of the other darts made by the new guys that just seem to have him that little bit more comfortable up on stage. I think. If he was still playing with the first darts that Target had made him with that really weird front of the barrel, I, I genuinely would have given Kim a, a massive, massive chance here. But I just think there's that calmness about Dimitri. He feels comfortable with the darts he's got in hand once again. Um, so I'm going to say Dimitri beats him for two. Uh, chat room, what have you got? Tommy's got Dimmy 4-1. G's got 4-2. Jack's got 4-3. Uh, Joe's got Dimmy 4-2, as has Kieran. Jamie's gone for the whitewashing Dimmy. Uh, HV's got Dimmy 4-0. Uh, Matthew's got Dimmy 4-1. Bob has gone with Cam 4-3. I think that says more about you, Bob, than us. Uh, Nathan has got Dimmy 4-2. Uh, HV's got sorry for to Dimmy. Oh, yeah, I misread George. Sorry. Uh, Pat Everett's got Kim 4 3 as well. Anon's got 4 1. I'm going to guess that that one is in Dimitri's favor as well. And it is 7 p.m. where Cheese is in America or North America. I think you're Canada actually, Cheese. Um, on to the second match of the evening se afternoon session. Sheesh, you can tell it's gone midnight. Uh, Gabriel Clemens <laughs> against Alan Suter. Perhaps an unexpected last 16 clash, but a chance for one of these two to put themselves in that quarterfinal. Yeah, really big chance for both of them, this. Um, Al from Al Taiwan is going to 
go up there and probably play well again. And Alan Suter, we just know he's he's not going to blow anyone away, but he's going to get involved in a scrap. And if you get involved in a scrap with him, he's probably going to come out on top. And I do think that's what's going to happen. And I think it's 4-3 again. I think Suter goes through. Yeah, I mean, if Clemens comes out and produces the level he's produced in the last couple of rounds, 96, 97, 98, 40% on the doubles, very, very good at 180s, I think he should win this pretty comfortably. But the concern is we've been pretty pleasantly surprised by the consistency in the level of performance from Clemens in back-to-back rounds on TV at the World Championships. To do that for a third time... He did dip a little bit in the last game as well, which is what concerns me. And that's where I think... If you give Suter that chance, that's where he's gonna he's gonna run with it. Yeah, and it's not to slate his ability. We just haven't seen him produce that run for a consistent period over this tournament. We've had a break again now, um, but I suppose it was a good point to make in the chat room as well. Lots of German fans at the Ali Paddy. This could almost be a home game for him, especially well, every game. I've been to Scot- in Scot- Scotland get battered, and an Ali Paddy half full of Germans is not a nice combination for Alan Suter, who look, doesn't seem to care about it. No, it can't not be nice one going on stage like that constantly. Yeah, I don't think he cares at all, Alan Suter. I think, if anything, he quite enjoys it. Um, it's just whether he gets too involved with it, as we did see happen from him last time, uh, last year. Uh, I'm going to go Clemens. I'm going to say wins this one for two. Uh, chat room, your predictions are as follows. Tommy's got Suter for two. Jack's got Clemens for two. Uh, HJV's got four two. Suits. Uh, G's gone with Suits as well for three. Uh, Pat Everett's got Clemens for three. Uh, Matthew Macy's got Suter for three. Uh, Bob has got Suits for two. Anon's got four three. Suit. Clemens finally feels it. Uh, Joe Snelson's got Suits 4-3 as well, as is Kieran. Lots of you going deep in this one. Uh, Jamie says Suits 4-3, sudden death leg. Suits love drama, by the way, and he's a fireman and trained guide dogs. Yeah, uh, Stuart Pike's go-to lines. Uh, Michael Winstanley's got Suter 4-2 as well. Did you know it was the record of 180s in that first match earlier this uh, afternoon? Yeah, <laughs> it was. And, uh, and Alan Suter did the night shift on Christmas Day as well as a fireman. What a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> not him. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, an all-English <laughs> rounds out. He's not a dickhead for doing the night shift at all. You know what I mean. Uh, stop swearing to get over the show. Uh, on to the final game of the afternoon session. Look, if anybody Why is gets, this on in the afternoon? I'm Why? I'm not absolute, it's an absolute crime mm, against scheduling uh, potentially one of the matches of the tournament to come. Everyone was hyping up Dirk versus Ross Smith. I think this is in exactly the same territory. Uh, Michael Smith against Joe Cullen over seven sets. What a game this could be. Yeah, it's it's just going to be unbelievable. This I think it's going to be the, up there with, if not the best game of the tournament so far. It's just the game. I just want to watch this game all day long, every day. It's going to be that good. And I'm fuming that I'm going to have to watch it on my phone at work. And I mean, sorry, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to watch it. Um, not at all. No, I won't watch any of it. Um, who wins? Well, I've got a, Michael Smith wins. Of course he wins. I picked him to win the tournament, so of course he, of course he wins. Um, Great job, Cam. Yeah, Michael Smith wins it. Four three. It's going. I feel like this is going all the way. It's going to be a very long afternoon session. I picked all of them to go four three, so it might have finished by the time I finish work. To be My feeling is, if this goes all the way, Joe Cullen wins. Oh. 
I think Marcus Smith is fantastic. I think he's had a, a great year. Very, very deserved to to win the Grand Slam as he did. Desperately unlucky to have not won more. And look, it's only because of the success of Michael Van Gerwen picking up titles left, right and centre this year that I think we're not talking about Marcus Smith as the most consistent player on TV this year. He's been in four TV finals since, well, including the last World Championship, which which counts for 2022, depending on how you want to how you want to work it out. Four TV finals for a player that apparently didn't have any bottle before he finally got over the line in absolute the grand final. It's just absolute nonsense. However, the performance level from Joe Cullen has been very, very good. A dart away from winning the Premier League. Um, another lovely line on commentary. Um, but his B game has been the best on tour this year. And when it goes close, when it goes nip and tuck, when it goes there for two players who, look, Marcus Smith's been to finals here. Joe Cullen hasn't always had the best record here at Alexandra Palace. But when it means so much to these two players who are in with a great chance of Premier League and picks and actually lifting this title as well, which is obviously the most important part of this, I think Cullen, it's not... You very rarely produce your A game in that moment. If you even do, fair play to him. It's who holds it together better to produce their B game. And we've seen more of that from Joe Cullen this season. Yeah. So I think I, we I, might get heartbreak for Michael Smith right now for three in Joe Cullen's favour. Yeah, I did like that of Joel's interview yesterday where he said, literally said, at the end of the day, it's just a game of darts and I go home to my family. So... Yeah. I don't think Michael Smith quite has that same in him. It, to him, it's it's a little bit more than just the game of darts. But we saw him come through a, a battle against Shindy yesterday. So I, I, I think he comes through another one. I'm going to say Colin 4-3. They started talking about the next game in the chat room already because you keep rabbiting. Uh, in the chat room, we have... I, I reckon I say probably about 30% of this show as we go uh, along. Tommy's got Smith 4-3, as is G's Adventures. HCV's got Colin 4-2. Pat Everett's got the same scoreline for Smith. Uh, Daniel's got Smith 4-3. Anon's got Colin 4-2. Mr. Davis got Smith winning. Uh, Bob's got Smith 4-3. Uh, Matthew Macy's got Colin 4-3. Sudden death. Plenty of sudden death to chat in this one as well. Loving it. Uh, Colin 4-3. Revenge for the slam, says Jamie. Uh, Colin 3-4, says Kieran. I think that might be 4-3 the other way round. Harry's just jumped in on a high Brex prediction with 4-3 in that one and a suit of 4-1 and a Smith 4-1. I think he's realised he was watching us on a bit of a delay. Uh, Jack's got Smith 4-2, but very tight set. Uh, any more scores, any more scores, any more scores? No question about David Croft. Uh, basically, uh, a couple of years ago, the F1 calendar was affected by COVID, so their season overran, and it was too difficult to get him out of that deal because he is the face of, of Sky Sports F1 coverage. And since then, I'm just not sure they've opted to try and get David Croft involved. He, because of that season, he missed a year of, of being involved in Sky's coverage, and they decided to try and go in a different direction, younger, newer blood, and, and dart-specific members of the team, i.e. Emma Payton this year. They've gone with Anna Woolhouse as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think David Croft is an absolutely massive loss to this Sky team in a team that has lost Nigel Pearson in, in the last 18 months. Um, Rod Studd has, has had his health conditions issues. Stuart Pike's getting older and a little bit more forgetful, I think, at the minute. 
I think Crofty being as versatile as he was as a host in the afternoon and as a lead commentator as well to throw to your Webby, your Wayne, just freed them up that little bit more. Um, so I think Crofty is a massive loss to the to the Sky Sports Darts coverage. And if they can get him back involved, even if it's just for the World Championships every year, I still think he's phenomenal. Well, yeah, there's no there's no clash at that point with F1, to be fair. So not not anymore. Next season might be different because that's one of the worst used worst F1 calendars we've ever seen. And why are we talking about it? Still not still not gonna go until December, regardless. But we've got three more games to predict. You lot are a bad influence in the chat room and you're just as bad cam. Uh, more All England clash in the first game of the evening session. Rob Cross against Chris Doby. Score prediction, less talking. Um don't know. We've been waffling too much about anything else and I can't remember what I was thinking. Uh, Rob Cross is playing too well for me and I think he beats Dolby 4-2. Same. I like that scoreline. I like that prediction. Chat room, where are we going with that one? Now you guys have got to catch up. Come on, you should have preempted this. Got to wait for them to all come in now. Tommy's got Cross 4-3, as is G's. Uh, Kieran's got Dolby 4-3. That just jumped massively. Harry's got Doby 4-2. Pat Everett's got cross 4-2. HAV's got cross 4-2 as well. Mr. David has got cross. Preston's got Doby 4. Three fingers crossed. Uh, Anon's got 4-1 cross. Uh, we've got 4-2 for cross, says Jack Nolte. Bob's got cross 4-3. Jamie's got cross 4-1. Matthew Macy's going Doby 4-3. Any more for any more before we start looking at the old Dutch class? I've just worked out why the two games we're criticising for being on when they are were on when they were. Because they had to play again the following day. Can't put them even in and then go again. Yeah, fair enough. As much recovery time as possible. Michael's got cross 4-1. Uh, Callan has got cross 4-2 as well. Great to have you in. By the way, if you are listening or watching and not involved, you do have to be a subscriber to get involved in the chat. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact we are very, very close to reaching 30,000 subscribers. So if you are watching us right now and haven't done so already, please do hit that subscribe button. Drop us a like on this show as well. It really would help. And make sure you are following us on socials across the board. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah, our TikTok is absolutely flying right now. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen against Dirk Van Dijvenbode. Numbers go, Cam. Oh, great game. Really, really good game again, isn't it? Um, do I think Dirk can beat him? I'm not sure. I think... Michael's just playing a little bit too well. I think, I think it's 4-2. I think 4-2 again. I think MVG wins. I'm going to say 4-2 as well. I, I just... Mensal threw the kitchen sink at Michael Van Gerwen and he still looked like he had a broken sweat averaging 108 throughout most of the match. It was, it was just ridiculous. If Dirk can produce his A game in the sets where he has the dart, he sends his match as deep as possible, there's a chance. But yeah. I think you'd have to see a, a considerable drop-off from that I've always seen from Van Gerwen in this tournament so far for him to not win this match. And I just don't see that coming right now unless he has the night of sleep from hell. Um, so I'm going to say 4-2 in that one as well. Uh, chat room, where are we going with this one? Uh, Joe's just jumped in on a cross prediction. He's got him to win 4-1. Uh, and then moving on, Neil's got 4-1 MVG, as has Tommy. Uh, all of these are Van Gerwen, unless I say otherwise, because he's pretty heavy favourite in this one. Uh, so Neil and Tommy have both got MVG 4-1. G's has got a 4-2. HDV's gone for 4-0. Uh, Harry Barry's got 4-2 Van, Ger uh, Van Gerwen. Uh, Jack's got 
Dirk pushes, but too consistent in the end for two to MVG. Matthew's got the same scoreline as has Pat Evra. Daniel Sison's got the same scoreline as well. Anon's got 4-1. Jamie's gone for the 4-0 sweep again. Um, Joe's got Dirk 4-2. First player to go against that, really. Uh, Kieran's got MVG 4-1. Preston's got MVG 4-2. Uh, Bob's got MVG 4-2. Andy has had an extra day off yet. Fantastic point. Uh, 4-1 MVG, says Callan. And 4-1 slash 2. That looks like you've written the date, Mr. David, rather than the score prediction. But we'll go with that one. Uh, Final match of the evening. Final match for us to look forward to. And final match of the last 16, Cam. Uh, Another all-English clash between Luke Humphreys and Stephen Bunting. If they both play the way they did today... There is only one winner in this. Yeah. Do you think that happens? No. I think we're seeing Humphreys play better and better, and I think we'll see him play better again tomorrow. And I'm not that confident that Bunting backs it up and plays as well as he did today. So, based on that, I think Luke wins and wins... I think it'll be four three. I do think it'll be close, but I just don't think Bunsen will play quite as well and won't get over the line this time. I'm gonna say four two, Luke. Like I said, I think he's building up to it. I think he's got that knack of winning the big games a little bit up on stage as well. And if he gets on a little bit of roll, if he can start well, look, he started better today than he did in the previous round, but I still don't think it was perfect from him. We let Vincent back in, didn't he? So if he can fire up to get out early in this match, I think he's got a great chance. So I'm going to say Humphreys for two uh, into the chat room. Uh, Tommy's got Humphreys for two. Joe's got Bunting for two, as is Harry, as is Jamie, as is Bob. Uh, HTV's got four, three. Bunting, Mr. Davis, gone for Bunting as well. Uh, Preston has got Luke for the win for one. G's got Luke for three. Callan's got Humphreys for three. Uh, Matthew's got Luke for two, uh, as is Daniel, uh, as is Anon as well. He says 4-2 Humphreys in a bad game, last game of the session, potentially last game before New Year's break as well. Uh, Piver's got Luke 4-2, Jack's got Bunting 4-3, and for every young United's got 4-3 Luke. Uh, Bunting mentioned his monetary defence. That might get to him a little bit. Yeah, he's a couple of rounds away from defending that semi-final prize money, but he will have to go through Luke Humphreys first. Uh, then a quarterfinal just to get to that defence. Uh, a massive, massive thank you to everybody that has joined us for tonight's show. Apologies that we've gone on, as we tend to do with myself and Cam, that a little bit longer than perhaps any combination you see here on the Fallout Bar. But really do appreciate all of you guys tuning in once again. Uh, same time, same place tomorrow night, or roughly, depending on what time the match is finished. But we'll be back with day number 13 of the Fallout Bar as we head towards the climax of the 2023 PDC World Darts Championship. Uh, a big thank you to Betfred for sponsoring all of our World Championship coverage, like I mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, if you haven't done so already, check out all of our socials, drop us a like, and make sure you are subscribed to the channel. We are very, very close to 30,000 subscribers, and that would mean a massive amount to all of us. Yes, Jamie, I am always going to blame Cam, but I'm going to give him the chance to say goodnight now before we do a runner and we'll speak to you tomorrow night. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 